Welcome to The Next Journey, the adventure travel podcast with me, Andrew St. Pierre White. I'm, a prisoner of I'm here on my first overland trip in, uh, in Australia. I'm uh, in Western Australia, far north. We're actually very close to the, uh, to the Northern Territory border. And we're traveling with some people that I've never met before. In fact, I met them yesterday. They're good friends of Paul Marsh. I'm traveling with Paul. And it's always risky traveling with people that you don't know. Very risky. And I have a few, uh, well, one story that I'm going to share with you now. It was in the early days. I was researching um, my first trails book and I needed to go to Mozambique. I decided to go to the northern coastal area of Mozambique, including Maputo as far as Shai Shai. And Toyota were the sponsors. They had loaned me a Hilux and uh, we were very light, just a little pup tent and basic stuff. I don't even think we had a fridge. And of course my camera equipment. And I was traveling with a chap, I won't name him, but those of you who well, those of you who know this person will know exactly who I'm talking about, but I'm not going to name him. And if you're watching this program, you, I forgive you. I was asked by Toyota to, on my expedition, uh, to take along a journalist that they had used many, many times for many, many magazine articles. And <clears throat> would I, you know, would it be okay if he came along? Turns out that he was an expert on Mozambique. Afrikaans writer, travelled with his son. So it was me, this person, this other person, and another person I'm talking about is not the journalist. Um, he was travelling with his son. I was travelling with a chap that had come to me and suggested that we make some videos together and for maybe even a TV show. And he had approached me because he had seen me on television saying, I, my next, uh, after books, I want to go into television and do 4 by 4, four stuff and go to amazing places and make TV programs about them. Well, apart from an author, you're also a film producer. Any chance of us seeing this maybe in a video version or a film version in the future? Well, I'd actually thought about it. I would love to do a, a driving instruction course, uh, but also conservation included because it's the two go together um i'd love to do that and um he clicked onto this because he was he was cameraman and he came to um uh, on the trip with us and um <clears throat> difficult person to travel with not only him who was with in the vehicle with me but also the other two the journalist and his son the journalist was an expert, supposedly, on Mozambique. Mozambique, the border post, quite tricky, lots of hassles with uh, corruption, and he had the inside track as to how to sort the sound, how to handle this kind of thing. Went through the border post, where's he gone? Can't find him anywhere. It turns out that not my passport, but the chap who was traveling with me, wasn't stamped with the correct date. This is typical. And so where was this guy to help us out, to, to, to help us through? It was a really awful border pro crossing, not knowing what to do. The, 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 the touts come along, the, 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 and some of them are really bad, and they take money from you and don't show you the right process anyway and make it difficult. 
but anyway, we got through, and I was a little bit ticked off, actually, because, well, you know, you said you were an expert in Mozambique, and I don't really need a lot of expertise in Mozambique, other than this very awkward border crossing. He was no help at all. He just went through on his own. Anyway, I got through, managed to get everything sorted, and off we went. And uh, turns out that the, the chap I was with uh, snores, snores quite a bit, and we were sharing a tent. Um, bad idea. Very, very bad idea. It wasn't a tiny tent. It wasn't a very, very big one, but it wasn't a tiny tent. Bad idea. I, at the time, I suppose I was about 35, 36 years old at the time. And uh, at that age, you don't share tents with other, you just don't. The snoring was so bad. It was so horrific that I literally picked up my bedroll and walked across the campsite. To hell with uh, malaria-carrying mosquitoes. I couldn't care. I just had to get away from this unbelievable snoring. And this went on for day after day after day. And I, I've, the challenging part was really that the, they would kind of get together and run, 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 as if they were ganging up on me. And not, it wasn't obviously ganging up on me, but if I suggested X, they would insist on Y. It didn't matter what it was. This is a great campsite. No, that's better. Only because, it turned out, only because I would suggest. So I eventually would look at a really horrible campsite and say, I think we should camp there. And they said, no, 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 we'll camp there, which is the better one, and then we go to that. It was that ridiculous. I even, I got to the point where I started testing it. And I tested it. There was a, <clears throat> you came out of this, this, this beach resort and there was a, a gravel road that went up and around, and there, but there was also a kind of an off-beach type climb. Very, very uh, sandy, big holes, and uh, quite a difficult climb. And what a great shot for, the, for Toyota, for their Hilux, getting up this thing. And I thought, it's going to be quite a difficult climb, this. The obvious choice was low-range third gear. It was the obvious choice of gear. For me, it would have been the, definitely the first one, and almost certainly the one had the best chance of getting up. And I thought, well, let's see what happens here. This could be interesting. So I, as they, there was the first guy, journalist, in his Hilux, and then my companion was in our Hilux behind. And I said, uh, on purpose, I said, low third. Low third will do it. Low th now, normally, I just wouldn't give advice to people on how to drive their four-wheel drives. They must do it themselves. If they come to me for advice, then I'll... I'll I'll offer it, but I don't give it away because, well, why should I? They, they might be better drivers than I. But this was like an experiment. And so I said, low third, low third. So of course, low third was the one gear they didn't use. So they tried in low second, definitely too low. Not a chance, just too low. Uh, and low fourth, almost definitely too high. And high first, maybe. High second, probably too high. And they tried it in first. They tried it in second. They, you know, they tried it in every gear under the sun, except low third. And they couldn't climb up. Eventually, the journalist was ramping his vehicle in low second, and the whole vehicle was bouncing up and down. The abuse. He also, the day before, the day after, I don't remember, drove it in the surf. You know how destructive that vehicle 
to the vehicle that that is and obviously no respect for the vehicle at all and uh, i don't do that i learned that when you when you if you get a vehicle from a sponsor from a you know um you look after it. You look after it. It's not yours to trash, and you give it back. And I'm proud to say, very, very few occasions have I given a vehicle back with, with, not so much as a mark on it. Abusing this vehicle, could not get up. Could not get up. Could not. No matter what he did, he could not get up. Then my companion said, "Don't worry, I'll give it out." I got shots. Got a few shots. Got a few shots. They weren't that good, but. And um, he couldn't get up. He couldn't get up. Only because they would not. <laughs> so I thought, oh, okay, well, maybe it's more difficult than I thought. Worried, I got into the Hilux, put it in low third, and just went straight up the hill without the slightest problem. And I promise you that they could have got up without the slightest problem. It wasn't that they were bad drivers. They weren't bad drivers or even inexperienced drivers. They were just this strange they would not anything i said the opposite that same chap my companion later went on a trip to tanzania and i was contacted by a group group that was going to tanzania and who who had considered this chap going with them and actually came and asked me and I said to them, I, I, had a, I said I had a very, very bad experience with him because he won't listen to anybody. He'll only, he will, you know, if you tell him A, he'll go do B. Just understand that, you know, he will not listen to you. So, you know, that's the challenge with traveling with this guy. And uh, apparently we had a mog, a unimog, and he was told, don't drive there, mud, don't drive there. And they f instantly, he just got in it apparently, turned and drove and got so stuck. The vehicle was stuck there for a couple of weeks, I think. They had to organize a bulldozer, big money and everything, to pull it out. And that was the, you know. So, you know, traveling with, with strangers is really difficult. And eventually, after I don't know how many days, it was probably eight, 10 days. I think the whole trip was meant to be about 12 days. Long before we get to, got to our final destination at Shai Shai, I, I said, I've had enough of you people. I've actually had enough of you. I can't work like this. And this is my, it's my shoot. It's sponsored by me. My work sponsors this. And all the, everybody else doing their own thing, yes. But the priority is, the reason that the trip exists in the first place is because of my work. And it's the same with the shoot now. The reason I'm in this part of Western Australia at this particular time with this particular goal in mind is because of my work. So it's not that everybody has to kowtow around me, but there has to be a certain respect for the fact that the priority is the creation of my videos and, and things because I am the reason why this whole thing is put together. And then everybody else has their own agenda, which is they have to have their own agenda. I can't tell them what to do, but they've just got to keep in mind that that at the background of all this, the purpose for, of this is Andrew's projects because it's Andrew's expedition. And in that particular case, I found out that uh, traveling with um, people that you don't really know very well is a risky, risky business, particularly in, when, in my case, when this is my work. This is what I'm, I'm doing. My, I'm working now. And obviously I take it seriously. 
and they might be on holiday and they don't take it seriously. Why should they? They're on holiday. And that sometimes can be a clash. And I, when I'm traveling, uh, Gwyn will often, if I'm traveling with Gwyn, she'll often go to the people, whether we know them or not, actually especially if we know them, but they've never traveled with us before on one of our shoots. And she will say to them, um, forgive Andrew if he gets very, very grumpy. You'll notice that when he v gets grumpy, you'll notice the sun is quite close to the horizon. And that taskmaster, that sun, is not going to wait. And that period where it is settling on the horizon, that period is the most productive time of the day and vital for content gathering. So if he yells, please get out of my shot, or please move, or something. He might say please, but he might be grumpy. He's not, it's nothing personal, don't take it personal, personally. So I have to say that to everybody. And mostly people understand it and appreciate it completely. Like with, with Justin and Laura last night, I just said, you know, if I get grumpy, you'll notice, you know. They're photographers, so they understand the beauty of light and everything like that. But in the work that I do, traveling with people that I don't know is sometimes unavoidable. It's just unavoidable. And I'm pleased to say that it is unusual that it goes wrong. Here we are on the Canning Stock Route, mid-2017, traveling with my good friend Paul Marsh and uh, my newly built uh, Land Cruiser and with some friends of his, um, Justin and Laura. And um, the, 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 when the trip was, the idea of the trip um, was first announced, Paul said, well, I know the perfect people to come on a trip like this. They would love to come highly experienced in bush travel in Australia. Uh, they've worked as doctors, so we've got the medical part of the trip covered. Um, you know, lots of lots of good reasons why they should come, but I'd never met them. And I thought to myself, you know, this is quite risky because there's a lot standing on this trip. But what happens if they're awful people? Knowing Paul for some time, that kind of eliminated that. I don't think he often, I mean, okay, he's a good friend and I know him well, so that was that. But I took the chance. I thought, okay, well, we'll, we'll do that. But it turns out that they've been an absolute delight and an absolute asset in every respect on the trip. And funny, entertaining, extremely interesting people. And, um, and I know you'll watch this, Justin and Laura, so what? Thank you for coming on our trip and thank you for making it even more fun than it might have been, would have been. But it brings me on to the subject of traveling with people that you don't know on trips. This one was particularly risky because it was such a long trip. We're talking 24 days on the road and 21 of them actually in very, very rough conditions, isolated. They brought their own vehicle, their own equipment. They, w they are still independent and um, could leave at any time and be on their own. So we decided that the two vehicles should be independent. <clears throat> and only uh, earlier on in this trip, I brought you, uh, I told you a story. Um, 
it's on one of the other videos on this channel about uh, when traveling with somebody else went horribly wrong and um, I remember that very clearly and also mentioned when telling that story that, there's, that I had another one up my sleeve that was even worse and I do and it is even worse. It was about the same time I was researching um, one of my 4x4 trails books. I believe it was my second one, so that would have been 1994-95. And there's an area in the northern province of South Africa called the Soetpansberg, north of Kruger National Park, far east. And it's an area, a mountainous area, lush, green. It was once an area um, characterized by massive turmoil because of a bush war. Uh, but when I arrived, when we went there, it was, was peaceful, calm, beautiful, beautiful area. And a lot of it kind of undiscovered, a lot of it not really on the tourist trail. And so we, we went there, we decided to go there and we organized things. Um, but because it wasn't on the tourist trail and there was nothing really written about it, we decided that we should contact somebody who was actually running tag-along tours there and go on a, on a tag-along tour just with him. And uh, that sounded like a good idea. And so we called him up and his name, and this is his real name, was Johann Klopper. Now, I'm not worried about lawsuits because Johann Klopper is one of the most common names in all of Af the Afrikaans nation. Typical Afrikaner man, big in stature, round-bellied, short socks, bush boots, always wears beige shirts, sometimes beige shirts with blue collars and blue pockets. If you've been to South Africa, you might know the type. If you certainly are, live there, you will definitely know the type. Very rough and ready, very down to earth, and generally these people are very nice to be around. And, and, I've, and I know a lot of them, and I have a soft spot for them because they are peculiar in many, many respects, but they are nice people to be with. So, Johan Klopper, a name that will live in infamy. Andrew, bring your toothbrush, nothing else, my friend, nothing. Just bring your toothbrush. I will sort everything. Nothing to worry about, no worries. Okay, so that's what I did. Bag of clothing, toothbrush. We, 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 we sponsored a short wheelbase, a red short wheelbase Pajero, uh, 2.8 diesel. The earlier model, uh, that was the model that I actually particularly liked. And, um, but the clearance is not very good. So I thought, oh, okay, well, I hope it's not too bad. Because, you know, um, but I also want a story. I want a good story. I want a good route to, to report on and to suggest to people. So let's go. So I joined with a friend of mine, Jacques Moritz. Jacques was doing a lot of radio work at the time. He was also a travel writer. So the two of us together, armed with our toothbrushes and um, cameras, set off to the Sotpansberg to meet Johann, von, uh, Johann Klopper. We arrived late at night. It's dark at the designated point. Excuse me, I, it's very early in the morning. I haven't had breakfast or even coffee yet. I wanted to shoot it now while the light was beautiful. 
So anyway, um, we arrive and uh, there are two, pe two young people um, and uh, they're sitting around um, drinking and there's no fire or anything, it's just like a bench and um, we're waiting for Johan. Uh, excuse me, Johan, is Johan going to be here? Yeah. Do you know when? No. Okay, um, do, are there tents here? Because um, we, this is, a pass, as far as we were concerned, this was the place that we were going to spend the night. Are there, um, are there, is there accommodation here? No. Okay. We sat around, chat, just Shark and I talking. These two were just barely compass mentors because I think I'd been drinking a lot. And then a pickup arrives. Out comes Johan, hey, Andre, okay, saw you, man, okay. So, make yourself comfortable, I'll be right back. And he gets in the pickup and he leaves. And that was it. We didn't see him that night again. Eventually, one of the chaps, I said to him, what's, what's Jacques? Um, I mean, uh, Johan, what, where, is he coming back? I don't know. Do you know where he's gone? No, he's got the girlfriend. All right. And what's with your friend there? He hadn't said a word. No, he's got a girlfriend also. <laughs> Looking into his beer. Well, we're supposed to stay here. Is there somewhere we can we can stay here? Yeah, there's a room there. Yeah, there's a room. So how can I go and have a look at this room? And there's a narrow steel staircase. The glass is broken in the windows. And there are two bunk beds, like school bunk beds, steel bunk beds. And on them are two sleeping bags that have obviously been slept in. And two very grimy pillows. So we think, okay, well, we'll, we'll wait for him to come back. And we waited an hour or so and we thought, okay, well, I guess this is it. So we slept and uh, we were, by the morning, we were covered in mosquito bites. It was an absolutely appalling night. So we got up and now Jacques had enough. Where's, I need coffee and he, you know, he's, where's Jan, where's Jan, yes, you know, who's this idiot, you know, and Eventually, Johan pitches up, as cheerful as anything. <laughs> he says, right, let's go. We can. Jacques stops him in his tracks and says, breakfast and coffee, now. You know, okay, he's got a right to be ticked off. I would, I was, but I think Jacques had then <laughs> lost it. No, no, don't worry, Andrew, no worries, no. Don't, no problem. Let's go. We climb in the car and we're off. And we get onto the main road, fill up with fuel, have a breakfast and coffee. Now we're feeling better. And we actually had an excellent day. Interesting trail. Um, this big guy sitting in the back of the Pajero. And I noticed when he got in, you know, I expected him to have a bag or something. Or We had a, like a bin bag, like I want a black bag plastic bin bag with something in it and he just kind of plopped it on the on the back seat next to him and squeezed into the back of this tiny little vehicle and off we went and of course with all the weight of the three of us because Jacques was not a little guy this poor Pajero has got wheels sticking out the back splaying from the weight but we had a brilliant day 
really, really interesting day. It's a beautiful area and we got what we wanted. We really got a good story. We got some good information about the area and then evening was approaching. And I remember saying to, uh, uh, to Johan, uh, Johan, we're, we, uh, we, we're short of fuel, short of fuel. We need to get fuel. No worries, no worries, don't worry, it's all, no worries, we're going to just do this trip and we're going to go up this mountain and we're going to go, okay, we've got about 50 kilometers left in the tank, okay, it's on empty, you know, and his catchphrase was no worries, no worries, no problem. And we were, did another route and now the fuel is, there's, it's like going to fall out, the needle's going to fall out the car any second. Jan, we need fuel. We're running out of fuel. Where's the fuel station? We just, we're going to go now to the camping, beautiful camping spot. Okay. And don't worry. So we drive, 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 and we stop next to a little stream and beautiful, beautiful bushveld trees, gorgeous trees and um, sand not much grass, sand, and really a beautiful camping spot. And that's it. So he, we get out, and I'm about to say to him um, what's happening, and uh, a pickup arrived with the two, those two same guys in the pickup, and a girl, three of them in the front. And the other guy's now looking much happier. And Johan um, yeah, yeah, goes to the Pajero, picks up his bin bag, puts it on the ground in front of us, jumps into the back of the pickup truck and says, I'll be right back. And off they go. And it's pretty close to dark. Jacques and I, we, we just... Time goes on, time goes on, gets dark, starts getting cool, put on jumpers. No, Johan. I said to Jacques, you know, I remember two kilometers back there was a Spaza shop. Now, Spaza shop is a little African village shop. They're tiny. They have very basic provisions. I said, there's a Spaza shop. Let's drive back and get something to eat because we can't rely on, I mean, we don't know what's going on, so... We do that. We expect him to come back with tents. So we think, well, let's just get something to eat. And then at least if he brings back a tent or something, we can just sleep. And, okay. Go back to the spaza shop. We bought one loaf, brown, very stale, and a tin of pilchards in chili. And they had that, and they also had life boy soap, which is a green soap, which you could probably eat. It was actually probably would have been more tasty than the bread actually that was all they had in the shop and and the pup mealy the mealy pup it's a it's a corn bread meal that uh, is very popular in south africa amongst all its people i particularly i don't like it but anyway we didn't have the means to cook that because we'd had no pots but we did have a tin now of pilchards so we could warm them up and uh, some bread went back no johan no sign that he'd been there. So I went and looked for a way of toasting the bread. 
because we put it on the bonnet of the car and um, I got Yax uh, to open his bag. I said, what have you got? What, have, what tools have you got? He had a comb. I had a Swiss Army, at least I had a Swiss Army knife. And uh, well, that, that was it. Swiss Army knife, it was going to be. So we cut the bread with a Swiss Army knife. It was all crumbly and it was very stale and it fell apart. And I thought, we've got to toast this. And we did have matches. And we made a small fire and I made a, a like a toasting grid, a crisscrossed kind of wound toasting grid with a piece of wire that I'd found, a fencing wire that I had managed to bend and break and then I'd wound it around and made this very rudimentary thing that you kind of hold the bread over the over the fire and then you you know like this so we at least cooked the bread to make it vaguely palatable and the the chili the pilchards and chili was very hot and but anyway we we ate now time to sleep see we couldn't go anywhere we had no fuel in the car we had no map of our own we had no means to go and sort this out. We had to stay there because we could have driven five kilometers and just broken down from lack of fuel. So what do we do? You know, we were in a very, very ridiculous situation, actually. We, we opened the bag that he had dropped and that was our camping gear, turns out. One blanket. One blanket. So Johann Klopper had thought of us. He had thought, hmm, I'll bring some camping gear for the guys. Because he left us the blanket. Why else did he leave us the blanket? I mean, it was a definite thing. He took it out. Well, this. We had a terrible night. The mosquitoes, just because there was a river nearby. There were mosquitoes. And that was a malaria area, too. And I think we had malaria stuff, but I don't remember if we did. I remember we were covered in bites. Anyway, and Jacques is a big guy, and we had one blanket, so we actually slept on the, uh, on the dirt. The argument was, do we put the blanket on top of us, or do we put the blanket underneath us? Um, we could have slept in the car. One of us could have slept in the car, but that would have been meant take, take, taking everything out and somebody sitting on watch to look out for our stuff. And anyway, we, that's the way it and it was a miserable, miserable night, and we were, I was, and we were really, really angry. And of course, I wrote in the article that the Johann Klopper's tours should be avoided at all costs. He is neither organized, punctual, or hygienic. He was, it was really, really bad. So when he came the next morning, he just arrived. Hello, boys, how are you this morning? Yeah, okay. You really uh, right, uh, Andre. I said, "Fuel." I wasn't actually going to even start the discussion about what he did with us. That didn't interest me at that point. The only thing that interested me at that point was to leave and get out of there. That was all that was interested. I'd got my story. I'd got some good pictures. Finished. The second night was not going to happen. The third night was not going to happen. So we, I just, I, I, no, we're going to just, no, diesel. No, I mean, I shouted to his face, diesel, no. And then as we let go, and I stopped the car, 
And I turned around and I said, Johan, where are we going? Uh, we're going to get, uh, we're going to get some diesel. Diesel! Yes. Now! Yeah. Right now! And I, I was, I was so angry with this man that I was not going to let him do anything like let us run out of fuel. I didn't even know if that 2.8 has a self-priming pump. I didn't know the engine well at all. So we ran out of diesel, what then? <clears throat> and we did head off, we hit a, we hit a dirt road, gravel road for a while, and that, that car did over 110 kilometers after it hit empty with a little light to come on. That little, that little Pajero was a fantastic little, little car. What a great little car. And I always, I still have a soft spot for that, that particular model Pajero. It was the later ones that I thought were poor. Anyway, we arrive at the fuel. I fill up. And as we're start, and as I'm starting the car, Jacques says, Andrew, isn't it, you know what we should do? And then he turns to Johan and says, you know what we should do? You know what we should do? We should get some snacks some bultong and some some vorse and some chips and some nice cool drinks for our day's travel don't you think that's a good idea andrew maybe we can even get some and he said this he said maybe we can get some some pilchards and he looks at me and, he, and i'm i click jacques you're a genius so we get out of the car Johan gets out of the car, says, yeah, this is a good idea. He heads off. Jacques and I then do meaningless fiddly stuff to make sure he entered the shop first. And he walked into the shop and the doors closed. And Jacques and I, without saying a word, got back in the Pajero and drove off. I have not spoken to Johan Klopper since. I have heard that his tag-along tours were a dismal failure, not because people didn't go on them, but because people did. The complaints, the letters to magazines went on for years. Anyway, that was my best story about how traveling with strangers can go horribly wrong. Thank you so much for listening to the Next Adventure podcast with me, Andrew St. Pierre White. To find out more information, check out thenextjourney.net. Join us each Sunday 